0: Welcome to the Dating Kinky Podcast, a cast about love, sex, romance, and kink. This morning, as I was writing and recording, a friend said to me, okay, so I read your piece this morning and I was like, that looks like something I said. I'm 94% sure I said that. So I checked. Yep. I'm glad I can recognize myself from afar, lol. It's funny to me because in the conversation that inspired today's topic, I specifically mentioned that one and how much I appreciate that friend in my life who I can get into deep concepts and ideas with and that that particular friend preferred not to be tagged, while the one I was talking to for today's piece gave enthusiastic consent to be named. Both are appreciated for the energy, the love, and the thinky stuff they bring to my life as are all of you who have had conversations, debates, and arguments with me. I learned something from Johnny Depp's trial, a.k.a. the three necessary stages of trauma recovery. I did. And I've also laughed hard, not because of Herd and Depp's situation. That's not funny. I've been there in a mutually abusive relationship and I've felt trapped and I've done things I'm not proud of in retrospect. That's just sad and a bit horrifying. However, the jockeying of lawyers and experts, that's laughable. And there's this video where Dr. Shannon Curry is on the stand, which made me realize something perfect and pure and beautiful in thought that I did not realize before.
1: You testified that uh, some uh, of the professionals involved in this case had to take their patient at her word. What did you mean by that? So when you're providing therapy, you're in a very different role than an examiner. When you're the forensic examiner, you're just really looking at data to make a decision. When you're a therapist, you're an advocate for your client's well-being. And in fact, it's considered extremely unethical for a treating provider to ever provide um, opinion testimony like I'm providing because it's so well known in our field that you're going to have an automatic bias for your client. It's almost a, a sense of protection, advocacy, wanting their best, which is why we also know that it's very inappropriate to um, convey any sort of opinion about whether a crime occurred, whether abuse occurred. We can certainly believe our clients. We can support them in their therapy and take them at their word. But when giving opinions and consultations, we have to be very, very cautious and really only provide the the facts. We would state things in terms of, my client did report this. I saw this. Here was our treatment plan. Here was the diagnosis. uh we just we're taught we're trained to stay away from making any sort of opinions understanding that most of the time and most of Ms. Hurd's providers were just treating misheard they had never so much as done an uh, initial evalu or initial interview with mr depp and gotten his whole life story or his symptoms or his side of any of it um and they're going to be advocating and and the treatment relationship is about helping your client achieve well-being not making Uh, formal, psychological, or psychiatric opinions.
0: This clip slapped because I immediately understood something that I've been wrestling with being able to word properly for years. And later, in a conversation with the beautiful and brilliant Miss Kissy Listener, we further clarified. It's so simple to me now. Therapy. Listen and believe. Advocate for your client. Forensic investigation. Gather and look at data for patterns and tells. Search for objective truth. Coaching. Give them the tools to move towards their goals. That last one, the coaching, was our addition based on the conversation we were having. But the first two, I've been in the middle of both of those as both the victim and as the party receiving reports. And I've written about it from both sides. And whenever I write about one side, I'm lambasted by the other for not doing it right. And I've finally realized that it depends on the hat you're wearing. Let me explain. I've been in an abusive relationship myself, as I've noted before. I've also been trained and volunteered with people who have suffered from relationship abuses. I've both taken consent violations and supported the victim, and I've had to investigate reports with a critical eye towards discovering what objectively happened. I do this day in and day out through my work in my local and online communities. I've also spent many years of my life in coaching positions. In my own life, I've written that healing from abuse for me required taking responsibility for the years I had suffered. I had to go over the relationship in my mind and understand that I could have left many times and that I did not. Not to blame myself. I did what I thought was best at the time but to show my now and future self the options I can take moving forward, to reclaim my power. But when I've written about that, I've been given the victims cannot take responsibility. That's traumatizing to them. You are being harmful, even suggesting it spiel, with loud voices shouting out that it cannot be done any other way. Those voices, are in therapist mode. When I speak about taking responsibility, I am in investigation mode. And both are necessary for healing and forward movement along with coaching. Let me explain. When someone is raw from their abuse and hurting, they 100% need to be believed, cared for, advocated for, And sheltered. Anyone who volunteers in intake and shelters and hotlines is trained in this. This is non-negotiable. Moving forward into life, healing often requires a way to reclaim the power that was taken from them, and this is where the guided investigation comes in. A look back over various situations where the victim could have made a different choice based on self-advocacy and protection, and it would have changed the course of their life. The first time my husband stole money from my wallet and lied about it, I felt violated. But instead of standing up for myself and making a big stink, I just caved. After all, I wasn't sure the hundreds were in there, right? Maybe they got left somewhere. And that laid the foundation for his taking money from me, lying, and me believing it, but not really. From my wallet and lying, I believed him, but not really. From my pockets and lying, I believed him, but not really. From our accounts and lying, I believed him, but not really, from my account, and lying. I believed him, but not really, taking my bicycle and selling it then saying it was stolen. I believed him, but not really, and numerous other shenanigans. I found myself hiding money in places I knew he wouldn't find it. Then, I couldn't remember either, and I was finding bills in books years after I left him. I put money into bonds and hid them so well, I never found many of them again. I was accepting his lies because of love and because of my fear. But if you had tried to confront me with the truth or facts in the middle of that, or even right after it ended, from a place of investigation, you would have harmed me. What I needed at that time and did not have was someone to hear me, to reflect back to me my experiences, and to help me feel safe somewhere with someone. I didn't at that time need someone to tell me that I had power and I was responsible for what was happening by accepting it even though that was true. I was not to blame. My abuser was 100% to blame for his actions, for his choice to steal, to lie, and to abuse me in all the ways he did. I was responsible for my own well-being though, and I failed myself. But that needed to come after I was out, after I was safe, after I had taken the one step of accepting I was being abused and then putting myself first. Only after I realized my escape could I heal. I was my own therapist, sadly. I never did reach out to anyone. I never did get that help. I didn't have friends there for me. I was isolated even from my family in many ways. I was my own forensic and investigation team. I didn't reach out to anyone for that either. I didn't get that help. I had no one to reach out to help me process. I was also my own coach. As I began making friends, I didn't want to burden them with my shame and the reality of who I was, So I chose to be better and I did. But I also went back and I gave back to others. I volunteered, I learned, I grew for me, for them, for you. It took all of those stages to get where I am today. Therapy, investigation, coaching. And most people will excel in different areas in their lives. I wrote a while back, I am not your safe friend. And what I was really writing is that I am not naturally a therapist. Because of what I went through, because of who I am and the life I've lived that has shaped me, I do not naturally give that empathy and succor. I do not see the need for it in others, especially if they, like me, mask their pain. I do recognize the need for it though. And I applaud all victims advocates who stand up and speak for their clients, their friends, their loved ones, and strangers. I applaud you. And for those of you who stand up after abuse, I applaud you too. I am an investigator and a coach. I like to right wrongs and help people move towards positive goals and lives. This is where I live and write on a daily basis. I am not a surgeon or a caretaker, but if you need one, I can refer you. I am physical therapy and rehabilitation, which can often feel brutal. I'm the badass trainer helping you back to better than before. And all of these roles are necessary therapist, investigator, coach. And I learned this way of thinking through the Johnny Depp trial. What are your thoughts? Do you agree with Dr. Shannon Curry's assessment of the terms? Do you agree with my addition of coaching as a third term or stage? Have you experienced the different stages yourself? Where do you find yourself naturally when others come to you? Tomorrow's Throwback Thursday cast will be the writing I wrote back in 2016 for those who stand up after trauma that I referred to in today's topic. Thank you for joining me today. If you love this episode, please share it with others who would enjoy it. And please do join me on our new apps available in the Google Play and Apple App Stores. Dating Kinky, it's built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, Transfolk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. Find me on FetLife as Nookie Notes, and on Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, Facebook, and Medium as Dating Kinky. We're on Instagram as Dating Kinky Official, all one word. Also, find me on the new app in beta for iPhone. I'm Miss Nookie there. T-H-E-M-O-N-A-P-P dot com. Have a kinky day, and I'll catch you next episode.